The following podcast is an Embassy Row production. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the Shaken and Stirred Show. I'm Nigel Barker in New York. I'm here with my co-host, Tom Astor in Oxford. Hey, Tommy, it looks like a balmy evening looking outside. It looks like it's almost like a pink sky at night. Or maybe it's just you. Beautiful. Beautiful sunset. That's why I've gone in this colour. I've got a little shade of... Aperol. The Aperol. Uh, It's very hot. There's suddenly... We've had... Our summer's finally arrived. It's very exciting. Exciting because it's scheduled to last for four days, which is... Which is huge. Over the weekend, we've got... We've got temperatures of... The highest temperature is 29 degrees, which is a heat wave here. People are going to be falling over, which I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit, but... It's, it's about 85. It's about yeah, 80, sort of average, average summer's day in, in Woodstock. No, here we're at the peak of summer. It's, it's too crazy. Everyone's going nuts. Barbecues are out, and we're going to enjoy this four days of them. Um, and also, we're not allowed to talk about, you know what, politics or the other thing that's been blighting everyone's lives for the last 18 months. But tomorrow, uh, not tomorrow, Monday... Next time I see you, we will be restriction-free in this country. Wow. My goodness. Burn the bras is what I say. I say there are 195 countries in the world, and we're the only one who's doing it completely, like completely lifting everything. I've got a feeling that I'm not sure we're on, unless we're on to something and 194 countries aren't, then um, I'm, I'm a little concerned that, well... I have, one, I have one word for you. Brexit. We're not allowed to talk about that either. I'll leave, I'll leave, it, I'll leave it at that. What are you drinking, Tommy boy? Night. I, so, because of the sunshine, because of this balmy summer's evening, I've made myself a little fruit cocktail. I've got a, uh, I haven't got a name for it yet. Well, maybe, we should have maybe we should have a competition on, on, on this show. I can tell you what's in it, and people can come up with a name of what it should be called. Let's create a cocktail. Name that cocktail. There we go. Let me tell you what's in it, and then you can come up with something. It's blueberry puree summary. Fresh blueberries. I've sunk. Mint to garnish from my garden. And then that's about it for the fruit. Actually, that's not really summer fruits, is it? That's just literally blueberries. And then brandy, vodka, and slow gin. <laughs> More alcohol and fruit, but... So vodka, slow gin, blueberries, and fresh mint. Brandy. And, and brandy. Yeah, for a kick. Wow, yeah, it's a kick in the... For, for sure. Kick yeah. in the blueberries. That's what I'm going to call it. Come on with a name. That's the name. A kick in the blueberries. Or a blueberry kick. Cheers, what are you drinking? I, on the other hand, how about this? You have to guess what mine is. There you go. We'll play it right back at you. I have got um, lemon vodka. And, you know, vodka is one of those drinks. I don't drink a lot of vodka, as you know. I hardly ever mention vodka. But this is lemon vodka. Uh, it, partly, I think, because vodka is one of those highly overrated drinks. But it's got lemon juice. Um, about an ounce of lemon juice, two ounces of the, of the lemon vodka, an ounce of lemon juice, a tiny bit of simple syrup, fresh mint from the garden, and then I topped it up with club soda. Now, it actually does have a name. 
But what would you call it? I'd call it urine sample by the looks of things. (laughs) (laughs) That's why you don't name cocktails. It's actually called West Side. Thank you very Uh, much. Um, So Chin Chin, by the way. (laughs) Urine sample. Meanwhile, yours looks like something else completely. Well, I know that's the other side of the other. Mm-hmm. Mm. Actually, it's absolutely scrumptious. Well, a little bit of booze news, my friend. Booze news. In the world of booze news, were you aware that the world's oldest bourbon whiskey, check this out, 250 years old, has just sold for a record breaking $110,000 for a bottle? That's quite extraordinary. Now, the bottle of bourbon apparently predates the Revolutionary War and the Whiskey Rebellion. And uh, anyway, it went up for auction June 30th. And uh, yeah, originally, they'd estimated the going price for it would be between twenty dollars and $40,000. But that was just smashed. Now, there's a really interesting story behind this bottle because apparently, originally, it had uh, belonged in the private library because people like this have libraries of alcohol. First of all, that's what I, <laughs> I never heard anyone describe. I kept it in my private library. I always heard of sellers, but apparently these people have libraries. Financier JP Morgan, the original, what the bank is named after, JP Morgan, um, they actually paid 110,000 for it because originally the original JP Morgan had owned this particular bottle. So he had been originally his hundreds of years ago, and then had come all the way now full circle, they buy it back again. I don't think Mr. JP Morgan would be too impressed that he had owned it and that the bank bought it back at 110,000. That's the reverse, that's the wrong direction for the bank. Seriously, seriously. Seriously, right? I mean, also, also, like, who says? I mean, 250 years, that's just so, like, fakeable. It's unthinkable. Well, interesting enough, they put a fakeable. No, fakeable. Fakeable. Well, they put it. They well, listen. They put they put a um a syringe inside, and they apparently tested it, a hypodermic syringe, to reveal an original date of approximately 1763. And apparently, it's a high probability that it was actually that the whiskey inside the bottle was originally created a hundred years prior to that, even. So it's a quite an extraordinary story. I mean, it, it, and I, I guess they, it, this the three bottles apparently of this was originally made back in the day. One bottle was given to a Supreme Court justice uh, and governor of South Carolina, and someone else was given to Franklin Roosevelt, and another one was given to Truman. I mean, there was quite an incredible history to these bottles. Anyway, how about that? World oldest bourbon whiskey, 250 years old, $110,000. I, I, I reckon that beats the Scotch whiskey record, doesn't it? I think it does. I think it beats almost every record. Well, the only fact of the matter is it's probably disgusting to drink, but hey, we'll never know, will we? Our guest today is an actress and comedian known for her relatable characters like Suburban Mum, the woman in every Hallmark movie, and Girl from Florida. She has written, performed multiple shows on the Comedy Central stage, and she's most proud, uh, yes, most proud, and we're going to get to this, Tom, because you're going to sit right up your alley, STD awareness video she did when she was 16, when she was paid just $75 to play a cheerleader with chlamydia. Oh, yes. Please welcome Nicole Devoir. <laughs> Nicole, how are you? Hi, I'm welcome. great. What are you drinking? You've got a delicious looking something in front of you. 
I do. I have a mango ginger margarita. Ooh. And what's the story behind that? Well, it's sort of the cocktail of the week. Uh, my my fiance has this habit of just inviting people over last minute for a drink. And so I always have something on hand that we can make and to to wow our guests, if you will. So this week I brought I bought this mango ginger juice. So it's a margarita with a splash of the juice. It's pretty simple. So you um, just buy the juice already made up, which is cheating. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm not pureeing mangoes over here. <laughs> okay, so you're not, but do you put the triple sec in? What is your, are you just tequila? What do you, what kind no, of? No, it, well, no, Sotra's tequila is what we drink. Um, it's the best tequila ever. Um, and then we, well, you've got to, you've got to check it out. Um, it's agave, lime juice, tequila, ice, and a splash of whatever I chose to buy that week. Fantastic. So no triple sec. Yeah. No triple sec. Just the agave to sweeten it. Okay, there you go. Yeah. A little different, a little, you know. I know. Of, I like it though. It sounds interesting. Sounds fun. But you like it, and it's delicious. Cheers, by the way. Welcome to Shake. Cheers. Beautiful. Thanks for having me. No, of course. How exciting. Mm. So I want to dive straight into it. You know, obviously, you've got this extraordinary career. I've looked at a lot of interviews you've done. You started really as an actress, kind of got into comedy after you were an actress. But take us back. Mm. You know, because I, I, I'd love to know you as a, as, a, as a kid growing up, you know, where, first of all, where you, did you grow up? And did you dream of being an actress because and, and a comedian? I mean, these it's very hard to get into this world. And to, mm -hmm. you know, to, so I'd love to know what your kind of childlike, imagine, you know, dreams were like. Is it what, where were you going to be? Yeah. Oh, man, I was such a dreamer. I'm from, I'm from Massachusetts. I'm from Wellesley, Massachusetts. Um, and when I was little, I did, I mean, I, I was, I just wanted to be Britney Spears. Like that is what I wanted. And so I would do, <laughs> I did dance classes and singing lessons. I'm a terrible singer, but my mom told me I was great. And so I kept on with singing lessons and theater and all that. But from the time I was like eight I just wanted to be on stage I loved being on stage and doing theater and costumes and it was just I loved it all um so then I you know did the high did high school plays my um high school had an improv team improv comedy which I think is like kind of rare for high school I don't know but I joined that freshman year and that was my start to comedy um I think I I never I never was intentionally funny up until that point but people would laugh at me you know so <laughs> like even when I was doing the theater and I was doing all these like serious acting roles I mean you're a kid but people would just laugh and so I and think that didn't I make was you insecure you, you actually took no no, I loved hearing the laughter. Like I would say something on stage and everyone would laugh and I loved that. Just the reaction. And I was so, I didn't, I always just thought I was amazing when I was little, you know, no one could tell me anything. Wow. <laughs> you, you, you learn, you learn um, that that's not true as you, I learned that when I went to New York, but that's not necessarily true. But I have um, a reverse story, by the way. I mean, you know, I'm just opposite. <laughs> I was very insecure as a child and have now realized I'm in fact incredible. Well, you are. 
I mean, yeah. You know. Right, no, I had a slow. I thought you used to ignore night. Everyone used to do the same sometimes and laugh at him, but he used to just, he didn't actually even notice that they were laughing at him. <laughs> I mean, it's translated into this specimen here we have in front of us, but you know. Yeah. You missed it, a trick, guys. You could have been on stage. We could have been on stage. We could. I, I am on stage right now. We're on stage, but no one can see us. I love that. It's the best place for us, Tom. Um, so, <laughs> Take us, so, you, so here you are, you're, you're, you're getting into, you, you start to get into acting at school, you're mm -hmm. loving the laugh, you're, like, you're loving the reaction. I mean, that's a great way to start, I think, in general, like when you, can, when you feel it, it's visceral. And, and was yeah. that like, so early on then, you were like, I'm heading into acting, because that's a pretty lot, and your parents, what did they say? Were they like, oh, well, like most parents, this can be a hobby, you know, get a real job, or they were like all in? They were all in. Like I, I was a strange kid. Like I wasn't, I had a learning disability. I wasn't that good at school, you know, like, and so my mom just was like, well, she's passionate about this. So let's just go all in on this. And I think my parents grew up where they like had certain expectations. You know, my mom like went to school for finance. My dad was in business, but they're both artistic. And my mom is like, an artist and she does, she used to do all the costumes and everything. And I, so I think they felt very stifled in their artistic journeys. So with me and my sister, they were like, go be an artist, do it, follow your dreams. Um, so I never had any pushback from them, which I think probably helped a lot. No, absolutely. I know helped a lot. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. So they, we just had a guest on recently, Dr. Shafali, and, and she was saying how actually parents, you know, the, the conscious parent, the problem being with so many of the uh, parents is that they push their own dreams onto their children in order well. to fulfill things, but in a negative way, right? Versus yeah. releasing them to do what they want, which is, sounds like what your parents wanted to like, go be your thing. A lot yeah. of parents were like, no, I want you to play the violin. You must, but I tried, I failed. Now you will not fail. You know, I know my mom tried to my mom was a diver. And so she would try to get us to dive and swim. And I couldn't go underwater without holding my nose like this until I was like and she gave up on that dream real quick. <laughs> so it was acting, you know, no one in my family. It's not like I come from a family of actors or performers or anything like that. No, like, I guess my dad's cousin is a musician, but that's pretty much it. So I'm the only one out here doing this crazy stuff please so look you mentioned uh britney spears <laughs> is britney she fair game at the moment for comedy or is she is it just too touchy because of everything that's going on you know it's tricky because you obviously never want to make fun of someone who's someone's mental health and so it's just tricky where you don't know where that is i, I think it's I think she's off limits right now for comedy. Good. Yes, like, no, if you, yeah. you turn around and said, is Britney Spears still someone you, you know, you emulate? Do you emulate Britney Spears in the same way you did when you were a kid? I mean, you know, that could have been the question. That could be on limits and safe. There is a, where there's a will, there's a way is what Tom's trying to say. So basically, yeah. he's going to put on a very short girl's school dress and, um, and <laughs> his hair in little pigtails and, you know, yeah. do that. Normal. I think... 
I think there's a way to do it. I think there is. And they did, and they're doing. They did it. They did it on SNL. Chloe Fineman did an awesome impression. So they're yeah. You can. I think you can't really touch on. I wouldn't touch on all the legal stuff that's happening with her and all that. No, and also the health stuff, the bipolar and something. You know, all that yeah. stuff. That- I only read about that in the last day or two that she, she had suffered from bipolar. And we had another guest on here who, who, had, who, who was very kind of frank and open about having bipolar. And actually, yeah, you can, obviously the, the problem with, with, with that is that you, it's not a tangible thing that you can actually do anything about or medicate yeah. for. And if you, look at the, if you look at the kind of cocktail of, of just total shit that that poor woman was like Britney Spears was given. I mean, the, 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 the story of the, the drugs that she was, and, and then the, I mean, it's, it's like, there is, there is, we, we, we will say there is no cure for bipolar, you know, there isn't, mm-hmm. there, you can't medicate. So if you look at the people like that, who were literally medicated and experimented on to try and make them feel better, but all it did was exacerbate the kind of swings in mood or whatever. But actually it's tragic. It's really, you know, she's one of those people who, if she had didn't have bipolar disorder, she would have been, you know, she would have been a huge star. I think. I mean, when I say huge star, for all the right for for her talent and her, you know, she would have gone on to, you know, I do other things as opposed to being this tragedy, you know, that she's become. Which mm-hmm. is yeah, obviously it's not. I think she's it's not over yet. Final chapter's not written yet, so that's the good yeah. thing. Yeah, she just posted she got a new lawyer. I heard so. Let's go, Brittany. That's a step. That's Free right, Brittany. <laughs> we are all free Britney over here at the Shaken and Stirred show. So, yeah, is, is alcohol funny? Do you is that something you make jokes about? Is it is it funny in itself? I think alcohol is funny. I think you can. I think there's a lot you can do to define a character based on what they drink. So that's a fun thing to play with. Is like if this character is going to have a drink in their hand, what is it? Is it white wine? Is it a martini? You know, and that says a lot about who you're playing. So I think that's fun. You know, it's it's interesting. I, I worked on a film with Russell Brandt, um, and he was sober. Uh, he had become sober at this point, and he was playing. I, I was in a movie with him called Arthur, uh, and it was the remake of the Dudley Moore movie. And mm-hmm. uh, I had a small part in the film, but I had to photograph him, and he had to play the drunk Arthur. And he, of course, being sober, you know, was not going to give up on it what he would do was they would bring in the alcohol and Russell would smell the alcohol. It rem- that was enough of a kick to remind him of how he felt when he was dr- actually drunk back in the day. And he would all mm. of a sudden go into character and be completely ha- like he was hammered and play Arthur. Um, do you ever have, do you have tricks? What do you do to sort of impersonate? Because you do these great impersonations. They're hilarious. I was just looking at your sort of country club ladies, you know, swearing <laughs> at one another about their trans bisexual son playing lacrosse. And it, it was hilarious, you know, but sort of those sorts of characters, do you, you know, do you do things like that? Are there tricks to, to getting into character, like smelling alcohol or dressing up or what, what do you do? For me, it's usually one line. So that will like bring me back into that. Cause I work on these characters and I, create them and then you have to jump back into them so it's usually like one thing that the character says that gets me right into it or like one look that they do so I'll just remember like for those country club people it's the Christine and that gets me into it every time and I start the video like that every time but 
And then, you know, I do that a very similar character to that when I do the white women. And for that one, it's like the line I use is I'm kidding. And then Florida girl, I use, um, no, you're fat. And that like jumps that one line. Like I can hear it in my head and I feel it in my body and that will put me, then I can, I say that before I record it. And then I'm in there. And, and, and what's the research? What, what, why those characters? What, what is it about them that you're drawn to them to be particularly funny? And they are hilarious. And it's, in a way, it's kind of one of those funny things where, for some reason, the country club one for me struck a chord only because, I don't know, I haven't seen that one as much. I haven't seen that one. Like a Florida woman, like Florida, like Jersey, like there's certain characters where yeah. people are like, they play those characters because they are caricatures of themselves naturally. But and, and I guess the country club one is as well, but I just not really seen it. So when I, as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh my God, this is bloody funny. This is hilarious. Yeah. So how do you um, just from my life, when I was doing the Florida one, I was living in Florida for two months. So that was easy, just observing. Um, the country club people, you know, my parents belong to the country club, so <laughs> it's a lot of what I've witnessed with them and their friends. And she would, my mom would hate me for saying that, um, out loud. Sorry, mom. She, she wants her friends not to think it's about them. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, just, I, yeah, just from life, um, you know, sometimes a, like a character will come to me usually when I'm in the shower I'll just be I'll like talk and do a character and then I'll have to find a way to fit it into the world but usually it comes from the world so you're basically naked under <laughs> sort of hot water I'm naked I got soap and I'm just in the shower like I, and then like all my... of a sudden it's country club lady <laughs> and then, yeah ah! and I'm like any anybody that's yeah <laughs> <laughs> I love that I love that yeah. Yeah. What, do you have, I mean, are there sort of characters that you dream of doing that you haven't done yet? Or is it literally just people in your life? Or I'm just curious, because like, we've, we've interviewed many comedians on this show. We've had mm -hmm. literally dozens of great comedians on, and they all have a sort of a, a way and a rhyme and a reason for how they come about the certain characters they're either well known for, which is obviously the, you know, the famous ones. And, you know, or it's like, they, or they, 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 they have a kind of a, a world like politics that they like to hit on, right? Mm -hmm. so yeah. For you, you know, what is, is there a, a genre type or is it just kind of randoms? You know, I don't like to get too deep into politics or social issues or anything. I like to kind of like, I like to kind of come in at the angles, like from a point of view of a specific person. So I don't necessarily, I don't, I'm not necessarily ever, ever saying anything politically myself or ever you know making a comment on any social issue or issues I'm sort of like saying well this is how these people think about it and this is how someone like this thinks about because I've heard it you know I, I hear people's opinions and all the time and so it's never so I'm never really like taking an angle I'm just sort of coming at it from an observational standpoint you know because I'm not an expert in politics I'm not an expert I'm not an expert in anything but you know, acting in comedy, honestly. So I like to observe and regurgitate rather than try to influence people's opinions or anything like that. So expert, expert in comedy, fair <laughs> enough. Self-appointed self expert. I'm going to ask this expert in comedy, <laughs> what is funny? 
I mean, what is? Yeah, what what, oh. what makes something funny? I mean, for you, even if you're saying it, do you know that something's going to be funny when you do the impersonation? Like, did you know it? Is it enough for yourself to laugh? Like, do you test it on your mum or your friends? Curious, like, how, like, is there like a recipe for this is bloody funny? It's like, yeah, I can taste a cocktail. I don't need to ask you. It's good. I like this. I can taste it. Yeah. When you're doing a skit, <laughs> is it funny? I mean, I don't, you know, do you know? You know, I, I have an idea and I, I'll think something's funny and there's a rhythm and everything, but I really test it out uh, by posting it online. <laughs> so some things, I mean, I definitely have posted some things that I thought were going to be funny that weren't. And then people will let you know in the comments. <laughs> and is that a safe way to do it? I only say that because, for example, and I don't know, you've got I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of followers on TikTok, and I know you've got several hundred thousand followers on even on Instagram and stuff like that. But it, there's a sort of sometimes there seems to be no rhyme or reason to these social media channels, right? Like you yeah. post one thing one day and it sort of goes gangbusters, and then you post something the next day and it kind of just ticks along and it's hardly anything. And I, I know on TikTok that you can, that people sometimes post the same thing over and over again, and all of a sudden it hits and then goes bonkers. So, you know, but is that different with comedy on TikTok and these channels versus sort of dance moves? Is, that, is it a different relationship you're having with people? Um, you know, TikTok, TikTok you, you really do want something hit you do it over and over and over again, which is something that I didn't really want to do in the beginning because I'm so like, I, I was on, I was doing sketch comedy and live comedy and everything before I was on social media. And I would never really, I would never do the same sketch. You know, I would never bring the same sketch to a different show. And that was part of it. So I like, cause I like doing all these different characters, but I learned on TikTok with my first, the first thing that I ever had go viral was the Hallmark parodies, the Hallmark movie parodies. And then I realized that every time I posted a new Hallmark movie parody, the numbers grew because people followed me because they liked that one parody. So they want to see it over and over and over and over. So now I have, now I have probably, I have a, I have a bunch of characters that became series now, um, but Country Club People is the newest one. And now I'm realizing that all the people who just followed me for that country club people one want to see country club over and over and over and over. and there's still people that will write i miss when you used to do hallmark i miss bring this person back bring this person back but for my own sanity i'm like i have to keep moving i can't just be hallmark girl for 10 years you know 100 percent. look i, look, I can yeah. put you know, I, I'll post something and, you know, like, what, like you said, and it, it can be a great job. It can be a cover of a magazine or something that you're really proud of. It happens to be a good picture. And people are just like, yeah, that's not America's Next Top Model. Well, I'm not interested. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, like, of course, for you, you know? yeah. So if I then if I put up like a shot of mine from America's Next Top Model, all of a sudden 50,000 likes later and everyone's like, oh my God. And I'm like, right. God, you know, I post this damn picture like 20 times on Instagram yeah. already. And you still love it just as much as the, the 50th time. I'm like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, get over <laughs> it. They're, just, they're so nostalgic. There's such a nostalgia. Yeah. Where, 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 what do you think that's from? And do you, do you apply that to your comedy? I'm curious because, I mean, that it's interesting because the, the, I think even if you look at actors, right, some of the most successful actors in the business play the same role in many ways in different movies 
but they do mm-hmm. it over and over again. It's the same person. I mean, Michael Caine is Michael Caine in every movie he's ever done, right? I mean, Tom yeah. Cruise is pretty much Tom Cruise in every movie, no matter what movie he's playing, whatever character, he's still Tom Cruise. And there's a lot of, most of the successful actors, I would say all, but because there's a lot of great character mm-hmm. actors out there. Is that something that you think about, like, when you're doing comedy, or is it something you're beginning to think about, like, I've got to typecast yourself, or are you just not going to go there? I think that's that's been my struggle my entire career because you know I was up until a like a year and a half ago like I had and I didn't really have much going for me in the act like I'd been at it for so I've been at it for like seven years in LA and just not getting the auditions just doing live comedy trying trying to get a new agent trying to do all this and then TikTok came along and I, it was like one year and now I'm auditioning for all the things that I always wanted to audition for and everything's kind of falling into place. But I think that was been my problem from the beginning is I do all these characters and I don't, I don't think I know exactly like what is just me. Um, So uh, I think the problem that I've had is I haven't picked something. But now with TikTok, I'm able to show it all. And then people see these series over and over and it becomes easier for people to say, oh, she can play that. Oh, she can also play that. And there's a lot of proof of it. Um, But yeah, I've never been good at being like, I'm the mean girl and I'm going to play this in every movie, you know, or like, oh, I'm going to stop. You know, I've never, I just like to do it all. And this right here, for some reason... (laughs) has never worked either so that i don't believe i'll see it's just about timing it's timing it's timing and it's you and it is type like type is so important in acting you have to they have to look at a picture of you and see you're real and know exactly what you are and if your real has a bunch of different things it's confusing and and they don't know what you play especially in the beginning but that's almost like almost like any creative job, right? So if you mm-hmm. go to an architect and he shows you sort of 20 des- different designs, you're like, well, which one? Well, yeah, I don't you know, get it, yeah. Right? Like, you know what I mean? Like you go to sort of Frank Lloyd Wright to, to have a certain kind of style done, right? You go to a certain designer because they, you know, Armani looks like Armani and Valentino looks like Valentino and mm-hmm. Ralph Lauren, bless his soul, looks like Ralph Lauren from, you know, his clothes have done. So like polo yeah. shirt, changed in 50 years or whatever you know like it's a sort of there's something that that is incredibly annoying about the fact that you sort of have to stay in your lane when yeah. you as a creative person right you want to branch out in many different directions and try things right mm-hmm. yeah i i mean definitely and i think i think there's a reason that the actors who, who make it play the same thing over and over is because people know what to expect from them they're good at it they know they're going to be good at that and and it's satisfying it's that's okay. what people want but i watched something like so jumping in it something like you mentioned tom cruise earlier so we love him in mission impossible and we love him in this we love him in that he's a, he's a very similar character in all these things and he's great to watch and all the rest of it but you know his private life I mean, boy, would you really want to go and have dinner with him? I mean, no. <laughs> Am I like that? Like, really can't think of anything. You know, there's kind of a little tantrum, the alleged tantrum, you know, the kind of the, 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 the attitude on set, the kind of, you know, 
that whole, you know, that behavior, which is not any, not the characters he's playing. And actually, you know, so I don't know. I mean, it must be quite difficult. I don't know, you know, when you're sort of revered for, uh, people expect something of you, I guess. And then actually the real life is like, just, you know, just I'm not like that, leave me alone. And actually, you know, I just want to go, and, I just want to have dinner or whatever. You know, it's like night, mm-hmm. it's like night, treatment night in New York, it's a nightmare. You know, people coming up to, as he, as he, these days, people's mothers or grannies because America's next top model was like 20 years ago. But mm-hmm. you know, coming up, going, oh my God, you're Nigel Barker. Or no, worse, actually, actually, people coming up to me going, my grand, you're my, or you're my mother's favorite or something like that. But you know, it, it, and it's like, you know, you're kind of being being kind of revered for something that you were that you were or that you were playing. You're being typecast and not not as yourself. I, I don't know. Is I mean. That's is that not the price of being a well-known face, you know, as well? I mean, you know, trying to work out who you are, you know, on a daily basis, it must be quite difficult, right? Yeah. Well, you know, something that I, I always worry that I'm just going to be too boring because people expect me to be funny. Like, they're like, oh, she does all this, she does all that. And then you meet me in person and I'm just always so worried I'm boring. Like, I'm not funny enough or like i'm not witty enough on the cut off the cuff you know right, and yeah, I'm, tell, tell us a joke right now go on be funny yeah, yeah exactly oh, and people people are like oh you're a comedian tell us tell a joke i'm like oh well I, no <laughs> no i'm having lunch you know yeah exactly leave me alone i'm having a sandwich I'm my oh my for- god yeah that's that was the most but now like when we go out and we'll like go socialize with people like most people see my tiktok or instagram and then so i don't really get this anymore but before i had any success on the apps um people would be like oh you're you you do comedy okay uh say something funny no you know? <laughs> god god i know and do you have like anything up your sleeve for those moments or you just walk away i say what kind of bees make milk? What? Boobies. <laughs> uh, there you go. That's what I used to say. And they'd be like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, well, when people say to me, oh, you're a photographer, you're that photographer, right? Can you take a picture of me? You know, make me look great. I just normally just say, sorry, I'm not a magician. Oh, oh, oh. And see, oh, then I, you could be, you could be a comedian at that point. You know, I'm always auditioning for to be a comedian. That's yeah. it. You know, when you were growing up, what were you watching? Mm-hmm. What, what did you sort of grow up watching? I actually did watch a lot of Project Runway. <laughs> Project Runway, even. <laughs> yeah, um, but no, I, I. Whose line is it anyway? In SNL, were my favorites growing up, which I guess makes sense. Um, and then, you know, I was like in the Hannah Montana, all that. I would just watch silly stuff. I would never watch anything serious ever. Just silly stuff. And do you ever think about what you want? Do you ever pull from those times? Do, are those sort of, do you do ever, you know, go back and think, oh, there's something I want to pull from one of those old shows that I used to love. You know, when you're doing your, do you research in that manner? I think a lot of the SNL characters stuck with me 
um, just the performances and, you know, the way that they would. I th Yeah, I think the SNL characters stuck with me. I really have a terrible memory from growing up. Like I remember very little details about anything. I think I was always in my own world. <laughs> Crazy Town. Oh, there you go. Sounds yeah. like I mean, Tom and I both try to forget what growing up was like, but we, we, we I think I remember it all too, too, too clearly. You know, mm -hmm. one of the funniest things. I mean, most of most kids are like this. And I've got two kids. I've got a you know twelve year old daughter and a fifteen year old son, and they're constantly coming home and impersonating their teachers. It, it, you know, that seems to be where it all starts. This sort of uh, yeah. You know, they're sort of the crazy teachers and how they speak and how they behave and what they do or what have you. And they're like, so and so did this. And then they put on an impersonation and they immediately kind of do it, mimic. Did you ever do anything like that? Is that how it started for you? When was that first moment when you were like, actually, I'm quite good at impersonating? Um, I mean, pro I, there were a few teachers that I think we would all imitate. A lot of, you know, a lot of growing up, I was kind of shy and I remember watching the boys be funny, you know, like sitting around and watching the boys do little impersonations of people and watching the boys be funny and tell jokes. And it really was like, at least, you know, the high school I went to, the girls didn't really be, didn't really like do stuff like that. So the only time I really did stuff like that was improv practice. And when it was, when I was with my sister and some, some close girlfriends, but I, it's, it's not like I was some sort of a class clown or like walking around being funny. You know, I was trying to be, I was trying to be a proper female for a long time. <laughs> so you were you, you said that, what you that now you've rebelled and gone, okay, no gender equality. Oh, yeah. No, I, I hate men. No. <laughs> no, I did, and I I think it's like something well, that don't I've blame had... the men for being funny and the girls. No. The girls have to step up and be funny. I mean, that's what you're doing, right? Exactly. Yeah, and I think I just stopped. I stopped caring and just stopped caring what anyone would think. I had like this whole, oh, what would they think? And even when I started posting my TikToks on Instagram, I was like, oh, what will all the people from high school think? And then I was like why do you care you never see these you're never going to see these people and yeah interesting you sort of opened up that pandora's box of gender equality now where you're talking yeah. about boys having you know being allowed to be funny while it wasn't sort of girls were not being funny because somehow that what was because it's what not sexy is it not is it or you I, know is that what I'm curious? Because like, because that's interesting. Yeah. Interesting fact that because I, I can see that you know where if you're too funny, if you're too clowny or something, then maybe that's not attractive enough. Like pulling faces and things, you know, mm -hmm. maybe that's not funny. That's not sexy. Is that or it's not pretty? Yeah. I think at least for me, I I think I embarrassed myself a few times because the boys wouldn't laugh, and then I just sort of got this like shy thing where it's like well nobody laughs at me I'm not I'm not funny in this group I'm not funny like around these people so then I had certain like certain groups of girls or my sister family members that I would be funny in front of 
And I would do it like at my comedy school and with my theater team, but not just like in life. You know, it was very specific pockets of places that I would do it. And now that's, now that's over. Obviously. (laughs) Well, I mean, it's over, but I'm curious too, because like you said, there are certain jokes which everyone kind of gets. And I'm curious, like, this is an interesting thing because you start going into the psychology of humour and and, and comedy. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, are there some jokes, do you think, that are universally funny and other jokes which are specific? I mean, it seems like the obvious answer is yes, but I mean, but, but, but what, but what makes that, do you think? What, what, how do we, how does that come about in general? Um, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I definitely don't think my humor is Come on, Nicole, you have the answer to all these questions. You're the expert. Yeah, okay. Okay, well, for instance, my dad, he has a set of like 10 jokes that he can pull out at any party and everyone in the room will laugh. But I think it's also situational. It's like, it's yours, you're socially telling a joke and everyone's supposed to laugh and it's funny enough to laugh. So everybody laughs. But I think like when you're, staring at a phone or you know you're watching well when you're watching something on stage the audience laughs you laugh it's kind of a thing I think humor becomes very specific when it's not a social thing yeah also the irony sorry Nigel I was going to point this out the irony of you asking a serious question about what makes comedy <laughs> fun I mean fucking hell seriously literally almost take that back it, it's kind of like you can't there's something you can't the, uh, you you can't make comedy serious you can't ask to, can you ask okay, let me ask let me ask the comedian can you ask a serious question about what w- why comedy is funny i don't know if you can that's the whole point isn't it well comedy is serious business that's what they say right there you go oh, good answer <laughs> Right, right back at you, Asta. <laughs> Not right back at me. I've got my answer. There we go. Thank you. Serious business, people. Serious business of being funny. Um, You're really it's, making me think here. I feel like I'm learning a lot. No, well, you know, I, I just, I'm, we're always curious. We always like want to know a little bit more. I think, and, and you know, it's, I, I find you know we get great guests and digging deep about around into these subjects also helps other people kind of find themselves in it too and 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 kind of helps get guide them out there I mean what would your recommendations be to a young girl who's say at high school or you know whatever part of school to be honest with you because my daughter's only 12 Mm and you know I I think my daughter's actually pretty funny she's got a pretty fast sense of humor she picks up on things that are being said turns them around says things and oftentimes I think to your point I think people are like she's you know you're being precocious or you're being this you're being that but ultimately she's just got a good sense of humor so what do you recommend for 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 kids that are out there you know especially girls I guess you know who you may you know may relate to you in your story as far as how to express themselves in a successful manner do you have any idea of, of of what you did or what you should have done or if you were to look back at yourself um, I mean, I think finding, finding an outlet to do it, like joining an improv team or joining theater or something like that, uh, where you kind of explore the comedy in a safe space. Or, I mean, if you're bold, if you're not shy, <laughs> then you probably have no problem just walking around like that. Just 
being funny, but I don't, I don't know. It's hard. I think comedy develops much later in life. I think. Not nice. I think- Nigel quite early on, actually. He, he's one of those people who walks around just being funny. In America, though, his humour... <laughs> I've noticed his humour... When I, whenever I go over there, I think I might get an intense, like, rush of the English humour because there's different... You know, obviously, people in different countries find different things funny, right? Humour's different mm-hmm. wherever you go, right? So I, I've always found... Um, I shall say this, not as a compliment, but as an observation, but Nigel's one of the funniest people I know. But he's very, very quick and cussing and deadly. And that's a kind of English type of comedy thing. But it doesn't, if, if he said half the things to American, his American fellow, fellow friends, that he does to me, he, I mean, I don't think, I think you'd just be met with an icy silence as opposed to outright, you know. I mean, it, it, it's, it, it's funny, you know, how what we can say to sort of some one person can be so staggeringly offensive to another, you know. And, yeah. And, and, yeah, and but so being, I don't know, it's, it's, very, it's very difficult, isn't it? I mean, you know in life that, let's say it's not taking yourself too seriously, really, isn't it? Which is hopefully what I try and do with Nigel, stop taking himself, stop taking, you know, he takes himself too seriously sometimes, but clearly. You agree with so that? Do you, guys like, do you guys like watching American comedy or what are your thoughts? I love people like Dave Chappelle. You know, I mean, I, it, I, there are so many great comedians out there. I mean, look, there's obviously incredible American comedians. Uh, and that, that's, I think it has to do with, there's just different styles, right? So you, in England, it's, you know, in British humor, it's first of all, quite dry. It's quite, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's also quite um, cutting in a way too. It sort of brings you down to size type of thing. It's almost like a roast at all times. You know, so there's that. It's very roasty, and and then you know, and when you, if you do, and I, English people, and we grew. Tom and I went to a boarding school together, so we grew up like brothers almost. We were sort of known each other, and you know, at a school where you sleep the night since we were, you know, thirteen years old. And so you end up having this sort of incredible camaraderie. So it ends up, you know, that kind of friendship also is like sibling friendship. You know, so that it, it, there is a way with siblings where you'll say something which is so close to the bone, but where mm-hmm. only perhaps you would know what that meant. That so that it is, it does touch a nerve. But you and you know the person loves you, so you you laugh it off. But if you don't know, and I feel like oftentimes with American humor that that, that it's, it can go borderline more slapstick and less, mm-hmm. you know, sort of perhaps you know. It, not to say it's not intellectual, but there's an element of English humour where you're like, you touch on some random nerve, which it's not really a ha-ha funny joke, but it's funny because of what you've just said and how it connects back directly to that individual, you know? Right. Yeah. yeah. You've got, um, but then, you know, Monty Python is a great export from England. The Americans love Monty Python, right? We love those Chevy, I mean, I'm, those, um, you know, summer vacation holidays with Chevy Chase and Dan, you know, we love American humor as well. It is, does actually work both ways, even if it's not kind of like face to face. You know, we love, we actually, the English love American humor. And, and, the, and the American, and the, you know, I, I've never met an, an American who didn't like uh, Monty Python, you know. I mean, there is, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It does, it weirdly does go both ways, yet it's so different in your own country. You could probably couldn't, you know. Get away with it, if you saw what I mean. Yeah. But it explores. Do you export well? It's such a funny question, sorry. I mean, it's such a weird question. 
do you export well? You mean does my comedy export well? Yeah, do you as as your um, yes, as your comedy does it export? Do you have other countries it, it goes down as well in, as as it does in America? I have eighty five percent of my followers are women in America between sixteen and thirty five, and then I have a chunk of Australian followers, and that is pretty much that's pretty much it i mean there's some a few but if you put the no, if you no. put the numbers together it really is very specific there you wow. go it's white but women now nige knows the demographic of his followers but is he prepared to say them no absolutely oh. uh, absolutely so i am i am 80 percent female 20 percent male of the male 19.9% um, of the gay community, or excuse me, sort of 0.1% probably, you know, Tom. Um, and, um, <laughs> and, and then it's mostly, it, it goes, this is the interesting thing, it goes new, sort of Amer America, US, specifically New York and LA and Miami, but then it goes um, Philippines, then it goes Ecuador, <laughs> and then wow. it goes, then he goes Delhi in India, right? Then, then we come back to the, we go UK, Canada, um, and then we start dotting all over the world into really random places like sort of, sort of Hong Kong and Macau and, and sort of random wow. places like that. So, you know, and, and it actually all goes back to where America's Next Top Model is doing re did really well historically. So mm -hmm. we had a huge fan base um, in Asia and um and what have you anyway it's in, in the philippines and places like that so they they always tune in and listen to everything and uh and what have you but um predominantly female and uh they call, he's showing off he's like they all tune in and they all this <laughs> all three of them 35 year old white women in america and a hat and a sprinkling of australians nice really i mean come on just like is, is this is whose podcast is this seriously it's my podcast yeah, I know it's all turn to show off, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> you see that? You see, this is where we go. It's fascinating. It is wow. interesting. It's fascinating. Well, he's a gay, he's a gay icon or a gay pillar. <laughs> you know, I'll take it all. I'll take it all, Tom. I'm happy exactly where I am. I want to get into your favorite subject, Tom, here. While we have Nicole on STDs. Oh. <laughs> yeah. You know. oh. So much to talk about, so little time. Hmm. How did you get into the subject of chlamydia? Uh, when I was 16, I was in New York for a summer. I moved. I actually moved to New York when I was 17 to 19 to go to a performing arts school and act. But the summer before, um, I was in New York and I was trying to audition, you know, self-submitting on Actors Access. And I submitted for this thing and I got, you know, like it was my first like professional acting job. And I was a cheerleader with chlamydia in an STD awareness video. And honestly, I put that in my bio because I want someone to find it. Like I want someone to be like, oh, we watched that video in school during health. It's this one, you know, cause I'd love to see it. <laughs> wow. So you've not seen it yet. That's not something you've come. No, up. 
it's just something when I was 16, I got paid $75 to have chlamydia and wear a cheerleading uniform. And it, I'm sure it's playing somewhere in some school to teach kids about STDs. And I just want to see it. Wow. There you go, people. If you can find it, dig it out and send it to yeah. us here at the Shaken and Stirred show. And we will share it with everybody, especially obviously Nicole. Nicole, mm -hmm. that's hilarious. You know, I've got a funny video that I did too that I've not seen. Sorry. What's that? That's just unfortunate what you just said. You know, come on, we'll just share it around. We'll just share it with everyone. <laughs> I want to share it with everyone. We're going to give everyone a little bit of the chlamydia. You know. Yeah, I think I'll put it as the first thing on my acting reel if we find it. You got to. You have to. As would I with this. I, I, I the only one I have not seen. I think that I know of of myself, it, which is pretty funny too, is when I went to become an American citizen. I got fast tracked. And one of the reasons they said I could fast track is if they could video me becoming a citizen. And oh my gosh. if I would be a part of the official video for, for, for when immigrants become you know, Americans, that I'll be in a video that they show people of people that have become American. And I was like, oh, 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 oh. And they were like, well, we can do it today. So anyone who knows how long it can take to get your, your passport, your green card, and come around, I did it and I was there and I did the whole thing. And it all I, the whole thing happened for me in the space of a few hours. And I walked out mm -hmm. with a sort of hot off the press passport in my hand. But I had to do the whole thing and be videoed and, you know, and, and I'm right there front and center. I've not yet, I've never seen the video because of course you never go again, right? So you never yeah. go through that process again. So I don't know what they did, what it looks like or what, what, what anyone who's seen it, but um, hey, that's a, that's a video I'd love to see too. I think it's pretty funny to be a part of the sort of uh, American citizenship video. Yeah. So, oh, that's the video they show when people are becoming, oh. You have to find someone who's just about to become a citizen. Right, I know. And they have to, they have to <laughs> secretly like, put their hand up with their phone in it and video it or something. Yeah, like yeah. Uh, <laughs> too funny for words. Look, you've been so generous. Before we let you go, we have something on the show called Last Orders. It's a pretty simple, rapid-fire um, kind of question moment. Are you up for mm -hmm. it? Are you ready? Okay, sure. Here we go. Yeah, I need your funniest answers now, Nicole. You know. Oh God. Okay. You, know. and you can you can choose to you know do it in your um, country club lady accent too if you wish. I mean whatever whatever rocks you. Um, <laughs> if animals could talk, in your opinion, which would be the rudest? Cat. Why cat? Cats are rude. They're just rude in general. They are. They They're are. Rude. But why is that? Why are cats so damn rude? It's so weird, isn't it? There's something wrong with cats. I don't know. Our cat won't come anywhere near me. <laughs> I think they have an ego. Oh, here we go again. The word ego comes up all the time. <laughs> Got to doubt how you ego. Which kitchen utensil describes you best? Uh, uh, electric mixer. Okay. And <laughs> no explanation. <laughs> no explanation. Fine. Done. Electric mixer. Um, there you go, people. Uh, in the movie of your life, who would you have play you? Oh. Oh my gosh. Maybe, maybe Emma Stone. Emma Stone. If if she gives a good audition. So you'd have to you'd have to audition her first. I love that. There you go, Emma. Yeah, all Oscar winners all audition. <laughs> Perfect. We have it here. 
what floats your boat and what gets your goat? What floats my what floats my boat? Um, tequila outside. Perfect. What gets my goat? The sound of people chewing. Oh, really? You don't like chewing? I don't like chewing. So if you hear chewing, what happens? I get you. I get angry. Really angry? It's rage. Anger. Rage. It's it's rage. Oh no yeah. way! I know. It's very not a phobia. It's actually sort of a hatred. It's a hatred. Yeah. Wow. I'm not chewing in front of you anytime soon. I can tell well, you. Well, if there's if there's some sort of white noise, it's okay. It's more like chewing in a quiet room. There you go, people. So you don't like people chewing gum. Is the gum a problem or is it just food? Actually, it's not gum. It's just food. There you go. Mm -hmm. Easiest question here, the final one. Nicole, shaken or stirred? Shaken. There you have it, people. Nicole Dubois. It's a, how do you, Dubois or Dubois? How do you say it? Dubois. 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 Nicole Dubois. Dubois. Dubois, possibly the first person suffering or not suffering with, it's called misophonia, which is a disorder, which means you have a hatred of sounds such as eating, chewing, loud breathing, or pen clicking. Mm -hmm. I have self-diagnosed myself with that. Misophonia. I've never heard mm -hmm. of it. I like, I like a good phobia. So it's a phobia, nice. That's, not, 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 a, not a, it's actually, is it actually a phobia? Yeah, it is. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Nicole, that's, people that's can find you on YouTube, right? At, at basically Nicole Dubois. TikTok and Instagram at Nikki Dubs, N I C K Y D O O B S. But yes, I'm also on YouTube, but I'm more on TikTok and Instagram. Nikki Dubs. Not, I would, no, not, I almost thought you said Nikki Boobs, but that's not, that's not what you said. That is something I get in my DMs a lot. More like Nikki Boobs. I get that from a lot of guys. I didn't hear that from <laughs> me. I just misheard you. But Nikki Dubs, we love it. We love you. Good luck with everything. We'll be in, we'll be in touch. And we, will, we can't wait to actually see us being impersonated. Come on now, Nikki. Nicole, I know. Well, now I have to. You're gonna have no, to I do. Have to. You're gonna have to do us both. I think it's gonna. That's the only way it's gonna work. We can't wait. Okay. To, good luck with everything. All the best. Take care. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks, guys. Thank you very much for listening. That is shaken instead. We will be back next week with a, another podcast and another fantastic guest. And uh, stay safe. See ya.